Premium end is starting to get saturated and we're starting to see more of affordable electric vehicles coming to market in Europe and North America. Tesla is definitely going to lose market share in North America, but gain market share in other parts of the world because there are countries that Tesla still isn't available. People don't remember that when you bought a Tesla eight years ago, you got free supercharge. Uh, and he said publicly, you're, we're never going to charge for that. And now they're charging for it. What is going to be interesting is the software and as you said, the big ticket items of the battery pack. That battery is so valuable. A lot of manufacturers are looking for that back because they can recycle the materials inside it and it's 97, 98% recyclable. And so it's a commodity they don't want to lose. Hi there and welcome to Stock Club, podcast brought to you by My Wall Street. I'm Mike and joining me on today's episode is Derek Riley. Derek is the Ireland's foremost electric vehicle expert. He's the general manager of Nevo.ie and the Nevo Review Ireland YouTube channel. Before we get into grilling Derek on one of Wall Street's most exciting industries, today's podcast is brought to you by Vodafone Business. Now, if you like us here on my Wall Street, you'll know that running a business is difficult. There are countless things to think about. Some get ignored or some completely forgotten about. That's where Vodafone Business can help. They've crafted a suite of tools and supports to boost your business's operations. And the best part is it's free for everyone. From cybersecurity to harnessing the power of AI, building a website and improving how your teams work remotely, Vodafone Business will help you address the often overlooked but crucial elements for your business's success. To get started today, check out their one-to-one VHub digital support and advice service. You'll find everything you need right there. Find the link in our show notes or simply just Google Vodafone VHub for more details. Derek, thanks very much for joining us here on Stock Club. I uh, I build you in the intro as Ireland's foremost EV expert. I hope that isn't being too braggadocious, is it? No, some people call me Mr. EV Ireland. And yeah. I get a bit of slack from the community because I don't actually own an EV, but I'm in a different <laughs> one every week. And so there's a bit of banter about that. But yeah, it's uh, it wasn't a title anybody wanted a couple of years ago. And now it's, it's definitely, it's, uh, it's the... Uh, it's the in fashion. Good, because if you weren't, we were going to have to get you to get someone new on the podcast. <laughs> um, but no, to kick us off, I just want you to give a bit of background about how you got into the industry and how you, I suppose, became a voice in Ireland for for electric cars. Yeah, about 2018, I was I test drove uh, or rented in Dublin in Ireland. They have a short term rental a car rental by the hour, and they had a BMW i3 and. I said, you know what, I've never tried an EV, I'll give that a go. And I always had a passion for cars. I was into technology. I was writing reviews for a tech website on the side at the time, drove the car. I took a picture of it for some reason, Mike, and nobody takes a picture of the rental car, but I have a record of my first ever driving of an EV back in 2018. And I said to the guys on the website that I was writing reviews for that, I think that people who are into tech would be interested in these electric cars. It, it makes sense to them. They plug it in, blah, blah, blah. And haven't looked back since writing reviews about them started a YouTube channel. And then on the back of the YouTube channel, then the, the guys that founded Nevo asked me to come in as a general manager. And now my hobby and my passion for electric vehicles and my girlfriend will tell you that we're driving down the road and I'm pointing at this and chatting about that and listening to podcasts and all the rest of it, um, really has led on to becoming then uh, the general manager at Nevo. So my day job is electric vehicles. I'm so lucky to be able to travel to launches around the world. I'm just back from Las Vegas at CES to look at what EVs were on there. Uh, and yeah, the national broadcaster and, and radios here in Ireland would come to me looking for an opinion as to what's happening in, in the world of electric vehicles and where we're going. Yeah, and very important podcasts of a certain ilk as well, of course. Um, so Absolutely. This is a good place to start. I suppose we'll start with a very open-ended question. And just what trends do you see happening in the EV industry for 2024? 
Yeah, it's definitely um, the premium end is starting to get saturated and we're starting to see more of affordable electric vehicles coming mm. to market in Europe and North America. Um, and also the likes of the battery chemistry, the charging times um, is starting to, you know, people are starting to really think about it. What type of battery do we need to put in? What type of vehicles? And then the likes of the the artificial intelligence integration. That doesn't necessarily just have to be electric vehicles, but we're seeing a lot of that at CES. Um, not that you want the car knowing all things about you, but um, the more affordability thing is is at the price parity. So that when Mike is going to buy or Emmett is going to buy a car, it's a choice of I want this or this. It's not about I have to pay a bit extra because it's electric. We're getting very close to the stage now where it's going to be the same price whether you want petrol, diesel, gasoline. If you're in North America listening to this or electric. Yeah, and not only that, but the premium cars, the Teslas of this world, are bringing their prices down as well, which we're seeing across the board pretty much, aren't we? Yeah, and it's uh, Tesla are a funny one. There was a status quo in the marketplace where everybody knew where they were, and every year there was a slight increase of prices from the incumbents from around the world, Germany, etc. And uh, Tesla went, no, we want to sell more cars, and we can do it, so we're going to drop the prices, and it's caused absolute pandemonium. <laughs> with other manufacturers having to either drop the prices, start crying about lack of demand, uh, residual values and resale values have really taken a hit um, for consumers who purchased, but also for leasing companies. We saw the story about Hertz there recently. Um, and it's if, to, if you're not in the space and if, if you're not understanding the backstory behind it, the, the Hertz article was very much Hertz are dropping Teslas, but some news outlets ran with they're dropping electric vehicles, which isn't the case. They are dropping Teslas, but they're actually increasing their EV fleet. So depending on how you saw it or where you read it from, you could take that misinformation away. And there's an element of that as well. Uh, and that's what I'm hoping to try to combat coming on podcasts like this. <laughs> Good man. Well, Tesla, you can't have this conversation without talking about Tesla. And the, from an investor's perspective, it's been one of those seminal investments over the course of the last 10, 15 years. There'd be a lot of very happy people who bought Tesla speculatively when Elon Musk was talking about putting people on the moon and everything else. Uh, but in 2023, the stock doubled. It had a very bad year in 2022, which might be a cause. But what else do you think drove this performance for, for Tesla? I think it's the globalization of their footprint with regards to factories like Giga Shanghai, Giga Berlin, and understanding that they're able to that flexibility in getting market share, huge market dominance in the North American market. And I know you have a lot of listeners there, but outside of that, they don't have their own way in certain other markets in Europe. It's not just like in America and US, it's just Tesla. And then there's a few other after it, like massive percentage points below it. But in Europe, it's a bit more tit for tat. And I think that's what probably drove the pricing reduction. Europe, but also in China, as much as they've got Giga China built there, there's locals. And I was lucky enough to be there last July and to see what the local market is starting to develop and that expertise and knowledge. And now the infrastructure that's going into Tesla and the, the battery, etc. They're Chinese batteries and, and Korean batteries that are going to a BYD, one of its bigger, biggest competitors, is supplying it with batteries. And I say that's just rubbing Elon Musk up the wrong way altogether that he has to buy buy batteries from one of his biggest competitors but yeah it's it's been phenomenal and it's because of tesla where we are today if they didn't do and he didn't do and it's not just elon as much as he's the figurehead um it is very much there's a huge team there and, and a lot of passionate people that if they didn't do what they do the, the incumbents and the, and the volkswagens of the world and uh, the nissans and etc wouldn't have wouldn't have done or wouldn't have come along as quickly as they did because they were laughing about them at the beginning and now they're now they're the ones not laughing Absolutely. And it, 
I compare it a lot now to Netflix in the sense that Netflix were the original streamer. A lot of the big media companies, you know, Comcast and whoever else had their eyes on streaming and Disney, but couldn't really do it profitably or haven't been able to do it profitably yet. And there's a very similar story playing out in the EV industry where Tesla's first mover advantage means that it's able to do it at this scale very profitably because everything has been optimized. While Ford, for example, are losing how much on every F-150 electric truck. So it's it's weird to say that the first mover advantage is there for what isn't a, a, a nascent industry anymore. But would you agree with that statement? Or do you think that people are catching off faster than Tesla, maybe extending their lead? They're definitely getting it's not that they're going to be extending their lead it's definitely and and we're in a space where people aren't buying potentially cars anymore as much as they would mobility as a service uh the pandemic kind of changed that slightly because people now are working remotely and they need a vehicle to get around because they may not be living in, a, in an urban center but it's all conquest sales for for these manufacturers that are going electric be that tesla or be that the electric version or the electric section of ford or volkswagen or wh- whatever brand you want to pick um so yeah, first mover advantage for sure. Tesla is an interesting one, and it's kind of like Apple, but it has that cult status of it's so weird. People, somebody would buy a Tesla, and they'll be happy and best retention, and talk about it proudly to their family and friends. But when you ask them, when you look at the reliability and the build quality of the vehicle, it's getting less and less now. But back in the day, like panel gaps and quality of fit and finish and the thing would be breaking down and people would still be delighted to own it because early adopter first mover themselves they wanted to be seen to be on the leading edge of it um, and so they'd have that hardcore audience and be that cyber truck or whatever vehicle they're bringing out people buy these things sight unseen putting down deposits and, and just taking them and happy with what they're getting whereas somebody that's used to buying a premium a luxury electric vehicle uh, premium vehicle uh, combustion engine and that's making that transition over if they're used to Mercedes-Benz or BMW, they wouldn't put up with it. Uh, and and the, the legacy manufacturers are starting to fill that gap uh, in producing quality electric vehicles. Not that Teslas aren't quality, don't get me wrong, but uh, some people like it a bit more than just a single screen. And the latest Teslas have no indicator stocks, which is interesting. <laughs> so in your opinion, who do you see as being the, the greatest challenger Tesla faces at the minute? I, I won't say internationally because... China, that they're they're not the leader in China anymore, or I'm not sure what they ever. Uh, but no. in in we'll say North America especially, but Europe as well. Who do you think is going to be that challenger? Do you think it'll be uh, one of the upstart EV companies, or do you think it'll be a legacy manufacturer? I think it's going to be the largest company you never heard of. BYD is their tag marketing tagline in Ireland, or marketing slogan in Ireland, um, and so total vertical integration a huge capacity for building the batteries, uh, building the cars, um, you know, the, the BYD were, are, are producing batteries for all the mobile phones, et cetera. So in December and Q4 of 2023, they just overtook them as the largest producer of electric vehicles globally. So BYD in Europe, huge threat to Tesla and the legacy automakers. Um, North America is an interesting one with the Inflation Reduction Act and America's looking to hold, Americans looking to hold on to their own jobs. And what's happening is just international manufacturers are just relocating factories into the into the North American and, and the US market or Mexico or Canada. Um, and so having a footprint in there, they can produce well, they've got good price points. Tesla is definitely going to lose market share in North America, but 
gain market share in other parts of the world because there are countries that Tesla still isn't available. It's a direct consumer model. We've got the Model 3 and the Model Y and there's serious talks about the Model 2 coming into the marketplace. So as much as they're going to be losing market share, that's a finely owned, finely owned, finally, what am I trying to say here? It's a well-run operation. <laughs> it's getting to be a very well-run operation. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's it's sitting back. And as much as I'm in the EV bubble, Mike, you're in, a, in the investor space bubble and the stock market bubble. So your question is who should, who's going to overtake or what? It's definitely going to be the, the BYDs, but there's other large conglomerates and Chinese parent companies like Geely Auto Holdings we talked about before the call, or SAIC, which are MG. And again, you have listeners from all over the world, and they might hear these names or understand these brands, but on a global level, China is huge, and the control over the battery production. So a lot of stuff is coming out of China. But then you have other zones around the world, like Europe saying, okay, we need to look at that supply chain, we need to start to have producing batteries in our own back of the own neck of the backyard because we can't keep reliant on, on a certain single market. Yeah, and, and you're right there in terms of uh, BYD, especially they're not going to have any issue with Europe, I don't think. But America, especially over its auto industry, would be quite protective, and they're already having this chip war with China. Geopolitical issues could come into effect uh, if you were thinking from an investment perspective, for sure, because obviously. It's is it the most lucrative market? I assume North America is always it's the most lucrative market for everything. I assume it would be for autos too. Um, it, it, there's a huge population base that are looking to buy vehicles, but there the adoption of electric vehicles is very low when you look at other markets. So that's when you see Chinese and and Asian new brands or existing brands looking to get outside of their own home market and go somewhere else. They're they're starting in Norway or they're coming into Germany or they're coming into the Netherlands because it's like in North America is maybe two, three, four percent EV adoption. Whereas in, in those countries that I mentioned, it's 20 to 30 to 40 percent of EV adoption. So it's an easier market to break into rather than trying to get into North America. You've got the Inflation Reduction Act. You've got all the tax incentives and tax rebates and all of that kind of stuff. And they're like, you know what? It's a market that doesn't want EVs yet. So we're going to pick other markets around the world that are, are more interested in going electric and um, it's it's a it's a huge. I was at the uh, NADA show, um, North American Dealer Association or National Automotive Dealer Association in Vegas two years ago, and to sit in a room of automotive dealers in North America and listen to what they're saying about EVs and that transition, and be that the Ford, be that the GM, you know, these big automakers and what they're trying to do, but it's it's turning an oil tanker. You know, it's it's yeah. there's factories with thousands of workers and we had the strikes recently in, in Detroit with the with the auto trader unit workers. So yeah, geopolitical, uh, political uh, uh, circumstances happening on a local level as well. So it's, fun, it's fascinating, but EVs are going to be the way that people are going to move around in a public transport, in a personal transport capacity. There is talk about hydrogen at a, a larger scale with regards to freight etc etc but we won't talk about that in this podcast no i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to now derek so if you can you got the wrong host um all right last question i have on tesla this isn't a tesla exclusive podcast i just want to remind people but i want to talk about the they often promised but obviously it hasn't been delivered yet fleet of robo taxis that for a lot of people uh famously arc investments is a big part of their investment thesis. And Elon Musk has talked about it a lot. He doesn't have time to talk about it now because he's on Twitter crying about, I don't know, everything else. Everything. Yeah. But in your, like, I suppose, expert opinion now, we'll, we'll call it that, 
do you think this is a real possibility or do you think it's a bit of a pipe dream? Pipe dream. And the reason I say that is because some of the, the newest Tesla models, he's very much, and, and the Tesla team are very much just reliant on camera vision and not reliant on LiDAR and radar. Hmm. And, and they're the only all your ones eggs into one basket. They're the only ones to go away from LiDAR, aren't they? Waymo yeah. is completely reliant on that and they're seeing a lot more cars on and the road. It's not even just Waymo with that self-driving side of things. It's the likes when you look at the likes of Volvo and their new electric vehicles and their and their standard vehicles, they're saying we need multiple sensing technologies to be able to make to be able to be confident in sending somebody out and, and autonomous driving level three, four, and five. We're at level two plus at the moment adaptive cruise control there is some level three in germany with mercedes-benz and bmw but uh, the whole self-driving and um auto you know tesla autopilot marketing slang uh, really it's it's a fancy adaptive cruise control at the moment now north america is slightly different because it's a bit of a wild west where they allow you to do something until it goes wrong and then they go hold on a second you shouldn't have been doing that whereas other markets like the european union you're not allowed to do that. You have to prove that it's safe before you get into the marketplace with a product or service. And so um, you can see where people are allowing their Tesla to start at point A and it navigates and it gets to point B. But you wouldn't want to be looking away from the road at the moment. And as much as they say it can be hands off, eyes off, you can see some crazy stuff on, on some YouTube videos out there where the, the, the car, the Tesla, just didn't know what to do and it it reacted in a way that wasn't safe for both driver and also people outside of it um so pipe dream and it will be very much north american and when you look at the likes of the waymo or you look at the likes of cruise in the north american market and, and one of those companies is having a tough time at the moment um it's a very defined location it's a very defined look uh, you know mapping it's 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 a certain city or a certain section of a city where it's been mapped out they know what they're doing to be able to and for those who don't know mike is from the west of ireland i'm from the west of ireland you said to a self-driving car to leave the east coast of ireland and drive to the west coast of ireland as the roads progressively get worse uh, and it's winter time and the wind and the rain and we're after storm, we're storm season here at the moment like, would you trust anything? It's hard enough for drivers to navigate yeah, all of this. I barely, barely trust myself. So, yeah. So, Pipe Dream is, what is a short answer. Um, it's it's interesting to look at it. And at CES in Vegas recently, Kia were talking about their PVV, pur- practical purpose-built vehicle. Um, and uh, one of the options is a robo-taxi. And so, they're definitely looking at that uh, ability to have a, an option for those ride-hailing uh, fleet options but Elon has been talking to it. he's not talking about it anymore and even on the earnings call it was big talk at the world but Elon says something and earnings do what they do and, and the stock price does what it does people don't remember that when you bought a Tesla eight years ago you got free supercharging uh, and he said publicly you're we're never going to charge for that and now they're charging for it yeah. and so the ability to say something and then slowly creep in the opposite of what you said uh, people just need to be conscious of that and i think the robo taxi and the ability to buy a tesla and then when you go to work the car goes off and generates money for you uh, and then pulls up outside you when you're finished your day's work and you look at your bank balance and you've got a couple of extra hundred euros or dollars you know we're not we're not there yet no and the the fatal flaw in that whole business model was why would tesla sell anyone a tesla if that was what the car could do um but that's again another conversation right uh i'm gonna give you a breather from tesla we're just gonna do a quick 
ad roll here from our friends at Vodafone Business. So they're the sponsors of Stock Club. Uh, if you want to check out their free one-to-one digital support and vice service today to discuss a range of topics from social media tips, cybersecurity, or even building a website for your business, just search Vodafone VHub or click on the link in the show notes for this episode. Uh, okay, so we're moving away from Tesla. We're kind of going all over the map here. You're just back from a shoot with Polestar. Now, you don't have to mention the shoot itself. I think some of it is private, um, but... Embargoed, embargoed. Embargoed. Polestar is a stock that made some big waves when it IPO'd in 2021, I think it was. And it's since really fallen on hard. The stock now, I'm not talking about the business itself, but one usually follows the other. So what challenges is Polestar facing right now? I think it's it's understanding the model direct to consumer number one, but also it leverages here in Ireland anyway. It leverages on that Volvo network. Polestar was hamstrung by only having one model, the Polestar Two. Uh, as much as the Polestar One came out and it was a beautiful um, sports car, hybrid sports car, not full electric. But having one model in your portfolio is very difficult. If it doesn't, if somebody doesn't like it, somebody doesn't like it. But this year, I definitely think there's going to be a change in that. Um, with Polestar 3 and Polestar 4 coming out. So a luxury SUV and a, a, a SUV coupe coming out with price points that are going to open up that marketplace for, for Polestar. So t- on tough times at the moment, but I think it was just down to market only having one product uh, and the ability of selling that. But when you have multiple products uh, and they're ramping up the uh, the production quantities as well uh, and the network of Polestar spaces is what they call it around the globe, um, I don't. I wouldn't be too concerned. I think it's a quality product. It's got European design and fit and finish, and that Chinese architecture in underneath from Geely. I think it's. It's. I think it's in a good place. So I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Interesting. So it could be set up for a for a little opportunistic turnaround. And the thing Absolutely. about Polestar as well is it's got big back in there from uh, from Geely, which is a monster Chinese uh, manufacturer. So it it it's a bit of a safety net. Maybe we'll say we'll say for that. Uh, okay, so the next question is a bit more off-piste, but I was recently writing about and mentioned last week Copart, which is the top salvage company in the world. Um, so what do you think electric vehicles will have on, uh, what impact will they have on industries like this where we'll imagine, you know, in, I think it's about 10 years time. This It takes about 20 years for kind of today's car to end up in salvage. What impact will... EVs have on an industry like that? Do you think it'll add more value because you have these high ticket items like batteries that can be recycled mm-hmm. and resalvaged and reworked on? Or do you think it's going to add more consternation because maybe something like Tesla could start a reacquisition program to not lose that value? Where where do you think it goes from here? And I know that's quite of a, a open-ended question, we'll say, but... No, and I was listening to last week's episode. It was really good to hear you talking about Copart and, and a phenomenal business and obviously a huge, it has its has it to itself, itself and only one other. Um, I think there will always be fender benders. I think there will always be people looking to repair rather than going directly direct. And that was the reason the Hertz stopped working or he's going to stop working with Tesla in a major capacity because very difficult to source those parts from Tesla in a timely fashion at a price that's acceptable to them. So the coal parts of this world are absolutely analyzing where this is going. Um, again, North America is slightly different and I know coal parts aren't just restricted to the North American market, but that EV adoption is a bit slower. But if you look at the likes of the Norways or other countries around the world where electric vehicle adoption has been there for the guts of 10 years at this stage between Nissan Leafs and, and Model S Teslas and Renault Zoe's, et cetera, et cetera. 
those cars are starting to come onto the second and third hand market now at this stage and people do need door mirrors and people still need the hardware what is going to be interesting is the software and as you said the big ticket items of the battery pack um, that battery is so valuable a lot of manufacturers are looking for that back because they can recycle the materials inside and it's 97 98% recyclable and so it's a commodity they don't want to lose number one but number two, if the manufacturer doesn't take it back, Mike might be interested in putting in an electric version of a classic car on the road and that conversion market. Or maybe that you use that battery pack for energy storage on your house if you've got solar panels. So that battery pack is going to have a second, third and fourth life as well. So I can see where manufacturers are looking at new cars and going, we have to make sure that it's has a circular lifespan. Can it be manufactured in a, in a sustainable way, but also can it be recycled and reused in a sustainable way? Where my concern would be was I'm hearing and I'm talking to in insurance experts and in industries as, as to the repair of these electric vehicles as of today. And you take a certain electric vehicle and the bumper is in an, involved in an accident. That bumper is actually coded into the actual software mm. and hardware of the vehicle. So it's Mike can't go down to Copart and buy a bumper off the shelf off a, off a used or a crashed one because that car has to be coded in. So there is a bit of a, a walled garden scenario potentially going to start happening. But the Right to Repair Act and all of that kind of stuff, I think as consumers, we'll want the ability not to be locked into a certain ecosystem or a certain brand or manufacturer that we have the ability to buy these secondhand parts. So I don't think Copart and again, as of today in the US, we've got 95% of cars still being combustion engine. Uh, the electric adoption is going to be into the 2030, into the 2030s or 2025s. So then you've got another 20 years after that before the end of that fleet of combustion engine vehicles. So you're talking 2055 uh, and things are going to be very different in the world at that stage. So that's really a bit of an answer. Yeah. And you touched on that there about, say, a bumper a, a dented bumper and it's because it's such a holistic part of the car now that 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 could turn into a total and that's that's actually been a running trend for copart for the last 20 30 years as modern cars have so much electrics the yes. cost uh, the cost of uh repairing has gone up so much that insurance companies are declaring totaled cars and it's a huge it's a huge, nothing wrong with it no it's a huge value bringer to copart yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so that, and it's a huge, you can go along into the US and you can see that written off car um, and nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Like literally, it's it's that bumper because it's got so many sensors in it. As you say, the insurance company just goes, no, no interest in it. And so, yeah, Copart, they're not, they're no fools. Uh, they'll be watching it and understanding what the, where the place, where it's going. But um, it'd be interesting to see with the, the more and more recyclable and sustainable materials, the longevity of them uh, making a piece of, of a vehicle out of flaxseed or whatever it may be how will that piece of material because it hasn't been around to be like a plastic bumper is a plastic bumper and it's been there for 20 years will that chair or door mirror or whatever it may be will it be here in 20 years i'm sure they they do weathering and wearing tests but um yeah interesting yeah. space interesting space and i think you kind of touched on it there if anyone knows where it's going it's going to be copart ahead of us two galoots um <laughs> okay so you mentioned norway there which is the most, I'm not sure if it's ahead of China, but it, certainly in Europe, it's leading the way for EV adoption. And China is, uh, we'll throw in here, obviously they're going to do things quite differently because of the governmental structure and everything else. But what are those countries doing right? And do they signify the pathway for other regions? We'll say, take Ireland, for example, would it follow, would you think, could you see it following in Norway's tracks? 
Nora was an interesting model. It was very much cart and stick. Uh, and so if you bought an electric vehicle, there was no tax. You could use the bus lanes. Um, you know, toll bridges were free. Uh, parking mm. in city centres were free. So there was a lot of positives. And people were like, well, listen, no, why wouldn't I buy an electric vehicle? Yeah, And it and probably, Irish helps, government, probably helps that it's one of the wealthiest countries in the world as well. Do you know what I mean? The irony of it being a huge EV adopter and it be having its sovereign wealth from oil is not lost on me. <laughs> um, but so it is. Yeah. So and, and the fact that they could have that, they led into that over the last 10 years. And it takes time for that adoption rate to, to kick off. Of governments now, what they were doing at the start is subsidizing the actual purchase price. So taking it off the sticker for somebody buying an electric vehicle. Manufacturers were cottoning onto that. And so the price of the vehicle was a bit higher than it should be potentially. So governments are now saying, okay, we're not going to grant the actual purchase price of the vehicle. The market will dictate the price. And you as manufacturers and, and distributors and sellers, you need to understand what the consumer is willing to pay. So that was number one. So that grant, but what governments are doing in, in Ireland is here as an example, they're taking those funds that would have gone towards the subsidization of the purchase price of a vehicle and put it instead into infrastructure. And so that consumers can see, OK, if I go electric like my neighbor or the delivery van that brought my Amazon package this morning because it's starting to become the norm. If I go electric and I need to travel around the country, whatever country that is, I know that there's going to be a charging infrastructure in place that's going to give me the peace of mind that I won't have range awareness or range anxiety or charge, you know, understanding that it's an easier step for me to make. And governments are starting to pivot towards that. So Norway did a phenomenal job. And it's always even the Super Bowl ads last year, uh, you know, t GM were taking swipes at them saying, listen, we want to be Nor America wanted to be better than Norway. But I don't think we can do that now. And also, I think the subsidization of a pricey electric vehicle was kind of given the wrong message. Really, electric vehicles are for everybody. And if, you, if, if you're able to afford an expensive electric vehicle, you probably didn't need a couple of thousand euros or dollars off it anyway. Uh, Scotland are doing an, a really good job where they're, if you're looking to buy a secondhand electric vehicle, they'll give you a 0% finance loan. So you're getting the money without any interest rate on it to be able to purchase a secondhand electric vehicle. So it's invigorating the secondhand market, but also a different demographic of population are able to access electric vehicles that probably needed more because of the lower running costs, et cetera, et cetera. So Norway, great, but there's definitely learning some other markets as well. And uh, America, they're gone from it being taken off your tax the following year now to coming off the sticker price. So you can see how how mature the market is will dictate as to what that government or what that system is going to be to um, expand and uh, invigorate the EV adoption. Okay, yeah, and it helps that Norway are minted as well. Um, <laughs> all right, I want to talk about a company. I imagine I'd be very impressed if anyone's heard of it uh, listening to this uh, listening to this podcast. And that's uh, I don't know how to pronounce it now. Wooling or Wooling? Yeah, Wooling. Yeah, uh, so it produces these mini EVs. I, I, the closest thing I could describe them to is a smart car. If people know Correct. what we're talking about, is it a little two seater? It looks like it could fit in the boot of a of a slightly <laughs> larger car. Uh, but it's, I think it's the fastest growing car company in the world. It's the most popular Correct. vehicle being sold in China at the minute. I think since twenty twenty, they sold over a million and a half vehicles. Um, so. Talk to me about ruling because when I saw it, and I, they're becoming more popular in Europe, I'm not sure. I think the ones I was seeing were Citroëns in France. Mm -hmm. uh, but this looks to me like the future of city driving. Um, would that be you, right? You'd think. You'd think. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it depends on the city and it depends on the country. 
Yeah. Um, and so, uh, for example, UK and Ireland, we're obsessed with SUVs. We want to be bigger, upper, wider as a car, not as a person. We're getting that naturally with the wider part of it. But we don't have a, a natural uh, tendency towards that more practical city car. Uh, and you can see that with the likes of the Ford Fiesta going and, and other small combustion engine vehicles, never mind electric vehicles, but in the likes of Paris, in the likes of Amsterdam, in the likes of Milan and Rome, where parking is at a premium, getting around the town and city is, it can be a bit of a, 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 a bumper car situation. So the practicality of it. So the one that you would have seen was the Citroen Ami, technically a quadricycle. And so that would be a, a low powered in France at the age of 14, 14, 15 or 16, you can drive that. Uh, you don't need a license for it. Um, and so it's a it's a quadricycle covered in small battery pack, small, um, uh, small range, but also lower speed hmm. restrictions. Not, not even officially a car. Not officially a car. Quadricycle wow. is the technical term on it. Um, they're, they're in the United Kingdom. And the interesting thing about it, Mike, is that it's left hand drive. Uh, they're not going to be producing it in right hand drive, and so uh, insurance probably, companies in Ireland are like, "Hold on a second here." Is that uh, left hand drive because of the lack of demand? No, just production. Okay, uh, it has an interesting production, and I know we'll go back to wooling now in a second. But that car, the front and the back are the exact same. So when they make the mold, all they're doing is changing the headlights for brake lights. So they make one, and it's easy for front or back. And then the door is one door. On the left hand side, it's hinged at the front, and on the right hand side, it's hinged at the back. So they make one door, one front, one back. So it's all about mass production uh, and getting it out and making it as cheap as possible. And it's a steel frame covered in plastic. So if you bump it off something or if you hit a curve or whatever it may be, it's, it's quick and easy to replace. Wooling is slightly different in the sense of it's an actual EV, it's a proper car, two seater, very much like you said, the smart four two little two seater. Again, you don't see anything like it in North America. Uh, Europe, you see it in the major European cities, but UK and Ireland were a bit SUV obsessed. But um, Wooling has been brought in as a car into Europe through a, an Estonian distributor. I was actually onto him, uh, understanding was he going to um, get right hand drive homologation? I never said that word. And so he said there wasn't, he didn't feel there was enough of a market in, in the right hand drive countries in Europe, UK, Ireland, and Malta. It wouldn't be worth his while having 20 cars crash tested and all the rest of it. But a, a really intra, and I think it's the way we should go. I think it's the way that local authorities and cities and governments and, and should be really incentivizing those types of vehicles because it's you can park it nose into a curb. It'll take up a parking space laterally. Uh, you know what I mean? You can yeah. park two in the space of a normal car. Um, usually 80% of our journeys are single person occupancy. So we're just driving to where we need to go. We're not bringing families with us everywhere. We're just going to work or going to the shops on our own. And so those micro cars, uh, there's a company in Italy called Microlino, little two seater, very much like the old BMW bubble car where the doors open at the front, the whole front opens up. Um, so they're there, they're out there, ruling phenomenal growth, super price point as well. I think if you convert it something like 9,000 euros to purchase, like, where, why would you be going wrong? There's e-bikes out there that are more expensive than this yeah. car. And it looks um, like it looks like it would charge off a laptop charger as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little two-pin. <laughs> Citroen Ami is actually a home socket. There you go. It's in the door and it, it tracks in and it tracks out. 
so in London, they have a lot of these um, streetlight conversions. So there's a socket on the streetlight because the furniture, street furniture is there already and you just have to plug it in. So yeah, being smart about what we're doing and uh, China, it's like a different situation where it's it's a government-led decision when they want to go EV, they just say we're going EV and that's the end of it. Uh, whereas in, in, in more democratized worlds, or countries, um, it's more of a consumer choice. But I think governments are going to have to start looking at taxing large SUVs for what they are and what they what they really shouldn't be and where they shouldn't be versus incentivizing the likes of these micro cars for sure. Yeah, interesting. I I, I saw them and I looked up, I had heard of booling before, but I made sure uh, it was the right one and I couldn't get over the growth. And if you see the stock chart for, I think between 2020, because it only started producing in 2020, 2020 and 2021, I think it, <laughs> I think it went up tenfold. So you'd had a 10 bagger in the space in nine months. Obviously, come back down to life a bit uh, recently, but uh, really interesting. Uh, okay, so I'm going to give you two more questions now, and I'm going to let you go. Uh, the first one is just for investors who are looking to invest in the industry without picking kind of a, an, an OEM and crossing their fingers that hope that's the one that will win. So we call them pick and shovel plays, basically, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you're aware of if you listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. So. I think of charging networks or battery tech or even like lithium producers or other raw materials, et cetera. Right. Would you think of any examples, public companies that you would kind of, for not, yeah, not even there, to recommend, but just to look into? Yeah, it, and it's very much like you're saying that the lithium and that whole mineral side of things, I know we don't talk about it much on the podcast, but there's, because it's an in, interesting, but also one that you need to be conscious of that lithium is the, is the buzzword at the moment, but it, it, it could change the sodium next week. And sodium ion batteries could be the ones that are going to be the next for the next 10 years. So the chemical and the raw materials will be one I'd be careful of because it is one that could pivot very quickly and, and can change very quickly. But the next step up the, the, the food chain with regards to the hardware manufacturer of the charging infrastructure. Uh, and so, for example, there's an Australian company called Tritium. Uh, they're on the U.S. Stock Exchange. Um, a lot of these EV uh, manufacturers and EV related companies would have had the tesla effect oh it's ev people jump into it and yeah. then and i think that what happens that's what happened with polestar it was it's an ev stock we're going to get in quick because we can see what happened over there with tesla mm. so you like some tritium uh, this actually happened with harley davidson they spun off their electric uh yep. live wire yeah just just it's harley davidson but they're like we want an ev uh ev valuation so it's separate, a separate company. yeah and that's what happened and a lot of that was spac as well you know what yeah. i mean and crazy stuff like absolutely crazy stuff but like the likes of tritium but look at where the man where the cars are going to be charged so tritium do fast dc charging so it would be motorways uh, public places etc cetera, etc cetera. but then look at those uh, organizations and manufacturers of home charging units the likes of wallbox um, et cetera, et cetera. And they're a Spanish company, but again, last year were advertising on the Super Bowl because everybody who buys an EV usually will put a charger on their house, house as well. These chargers have a three or four year lifespan, maybe five years, and then they're changing them around again. Not cheap. In Ireland, we get government subsidies, but they're also getting smarter and smarter as a, um, uh, as a, a piece of hardware, a piece of tech. Yeah. And then you have the likes of um, heat exchange units, air, air, to, air, to, air to heat units that are putting chargers into the unit as well because it's a high energy piece of equipment, but also so is a home charger for your car. And there's an Irish company that's looking at that and combining the two of them. So that technology piece, and I suppose that's why I got into it originally, and that's why I'm just back from CES, that consumer electronic side of things. And where would you invest 
as you said, it's not just the OEMs. Look at the, the macro. Look at the where can somebody charge? What industries are in there? What's what market? Uh, what companies are on the market that are producing the hardware? Uh, that's producing the technology. Wireless charging is something else that is starting to pick up a bit of momentum. Uh, and so there's a company called Whitricity and others. And I'm, I'm dropping a couple of names here, but start doing your research and you'll start to find where these startups or more established companies are in that charging space, manufacturer of battery space, etc. Good stuff. A few for the watch list there, though. Tritium, Wallbox, and uh, what was the last one? Why? Whitricity. Whitricity. Is that one of those pads that the car kind of sits on? Yeah. Very much like your wireless charging pad in your phone um, and super efficient, nearly 90% efficient. So nearly as efficient as plugging in can work in the cold. They're trialing it in Norway at the moment for taxis that are sitting on ranks because the taxi and buses as well, they've got a defined stop. Um, so interesting technology. Now, I don't know how lazy you are that you have to, you don't want to get out and plug the cable in. (laughs) People are using wireless chargers for their phones. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Last question. Uh, I'm feeling generous. I'm going to give you a hundred quid in your hand, but you have to invest it in one EV company. Can be any of the ones you mentioned or a new one. Who would it be and why? It's hard to look past Tesla. If you tell you me Tesla, you're going to have to give me another one. <laughs> <That's the rules. laughs> people didn't come here to say. You said. People didn't come <laughs> yeah, here yeah. to end. Just with invest in Tesla, Tesla. Derek. <laughs> Um, I think, yeah, looking at, and obviously it's not listed on the North, North American stock market, but BYD, you know, it's 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 phenomenal, the growth that that company is going to have, um, and it's only starting. It's yeah. absolutely only starting. So uh, you may not have heard of it today, and that they're only entering certain markets, but BYD would be the one I would put the $100 or 100 euros onto. Good stuff. I think they have an ADR. I'm not uh, 100% okay. sure, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they are quite investable. And I, it's funny you're saying the biggest car company you've never heard of, because that, that's basically their ad slogan, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. I think I just saw an ad, sorry, maybe this week for the first time. And I was like, I know that company. So, uh, okay. UID. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. All right. That's it. Derek, thank you very much for coming on. That was fascinating. Uh, it's great to talk to someone so well-informed. Of, of something that's adjacent to us, do you know what I mean? Where this is where we should be getting our ideas from. Um, so I love that conversation. Uh, before we get out of here, I just want to say thank you to our friends at Vodafone Business. If you're a business owner in need of a leg up when it comes to your digital transformation, get yourself over to Vodafone VHub to book your appointment today. And you can find the link in our show notes for more details. So that's it for today. Thanks everyone for listening in. Derek, do you want to send anyone uh, to Nevo or... Yeah, and you know what, Mike, we've got a show on in Dublin for those Irish listeners there on the 17th of February. If you want to find out more about electric vehicles, we have uh, nearly 15,000 people registered already to come along on the day. 17th of February in the RDS, we have 25 EV brands that are available in Ireland and 50 electric cars. We'll have talks, understanding if you're getting into the space, because it is a bit of a journey uh, and you don't want to feel like you're a fool, but there's lots of experts there to give you the guidance as to whether an EV would suit you or not and, and what you need to think about whether it's home charging, public charging, finance, insurance. So if anybody in the Irish uh, listenership pool is free and, and available on the 17th of February, uh, they're more than welcome. It's free to attend. Uh, yeah. And so you just go to Nevo to get your tickets. So Nevo.a and then on YouTube, it's Nevo Reviewers. Club. Nevo Review. Yeah, exactly. Nevo Review. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the taxi rank outside of RDS. It's going to be 100 cabs and no one in them. They're all inside at the show. <laughs> Wondering where to spend your grant. 
Exactly. Well, the taxi drivers will be coming in as well because they're looking at electric taxis. So exactly, we're hoping yeah. that there's going to be there's going to be more than just consumers. But yeah, we've got a great uptake so far, and um, there's a lot of interest in it, uh, as you said. And that's the reason for the podcast. So thanks for having me on, Mike. Oh no, of course. Uh, all right, so that's it for the show. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can get us on Twitter at my Wall Street HQ. On TikTok at My Wall Street, or simply just email us at pod at mywallstreet.com. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review, send us on to your friends, and we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.